ナモミョウホリンゲイキョウナモミョウホリンゲイキョウナモミョウホリンゲイキョウ Hi friends, I trust this finds you in good health and secure.、Uh, thank you for being here. Thank you for your practice.、Uh, make yourself comfortable. We're going to talk for a little bit. And we're continuing the comfortable conduct. Well, that's kind of funny, isn't it? I just told you to get comfortable. <laughs> Didn't even consider that. How m y o h o And in that vein, this、uh, translation right off the bat as we get into this、um, Gatha section, something I've never read before.、Um, At that time, the world honored one wishing to restate this meaning proclaimed Gathas, saying, The Bodhisattva ever wishes in tranquil security to teach the Dharma, right? On pure soil, arranging his hair, <laughs> smearing his body with oil, and washing away the impurities, right? You don't want to go. To somebody's home or a group and stink while you're promoting the Dharma. Sorry, I'm in a silly mood today. <laughs> Let him don a new clean garment, clean both within and without, resting securely on his Dharma seat. Let him teach in answer to questions. If there be bhikshus and bhikshunis, Upasakas and Upasikas, kings and princes, which we're not supposed to be comfortable with, but at any rate, sundry ministers, gentlemen, and commoners, let him, be resort,、uh, let him by resort to subtle doctrine teach to them with harmonious countenance. Thus have I heard, basically. If there be objections or queries, let him answer them in keeping with the doctrine. In other words, don't stray into anecdotes of, well, when I first started, right? Just answer from the teachings. This is an audience that doesn't know you particularly. And as a bodhisattva, you're there to look through the lens of Buddhism for others. And their questions are questions about what you see when peering through that lens. So speak from the lens of Buddhism. That's all that means. Makes sense. Good advice. We get in trouble when you start getting inventive and being, you know, egotistic, really, talking about our own experiences. And once I had a this and that, that's not about Buddhism, that's about you. So keep it about Buddhism, right? By resort to causes and condition,、uh, conditions, as well as parables, expounding and making distinctions through such devices as these, enabling all to open up their thought and gradually, by increasingly and increasingly, to enter into the Buddha path. Which is another way of saying the same thing I've said many, many times is people pursue their own path to enlightenment. You can't. You can't force it. You can't lead them. All you can do is give them a path to follow and see how they follow the path. They will follow a path of their own making. That's all that says. And all we can do is line that path with knowledge, right? 
ridding himself of slothful intentions, as well as of notions of idleness, and freeing himself from care and agony, with a compassionate heart, let him teach the Dharma. So that's an interesting division. On the one hand, separating yourself from emotions about the teachings, and yet the heart, feeling compassion, is motivated to share the teaching of the Dharma. See, there's a difference between emotion and compassion. I think I have some videos on that subject, and I know I've talked about it before. There may actually be a link on the threefoldlows.com on the study materials page on this very subject. I need to, there's so many links on that page. I really need to think about organizing it a little bit better. Now, I'm so engrossed in the rewrite and um, um, what to call it, annotated version of the Lotus Sutra that I'm composing. I just have little time for anything else, but I'll, I'll get to it sooner or later. Suggestions welcome, by the way. As well as to inculcate, or, or as well as to incalculable parables, opening up and demonstrating to living beings, causing them all to rejoice. In other words, you're looking to inspire into other people the aspiration for the goal, Buddhaness. And they will create their aspirations. All we can do is motivate them to find those aspirations within their own life. And as to clothing and bedding, food, drink, and medicine, we, res with respect to these, having no hopes, but single-mindedly recollecting the reason for preaching the Dharma, desiring to achieve the Buddha path, and to cause the multitude to do the same, this, then, is the great source of profit the offering that brings comfort after my passage into extinction. If there is a bhikshu who can expound this scripture of the fine Dharma flower, the Lotus Sutra, the Myoho Rengekyo, his thought free of envy and anger and of obstructions of assorted agonies, he shall also have no care for, uh, for detractors nor be in fear. No worries, right? Of wielders of knives or staves, nor shall he be banished, for he shall dwell securely in forbearance. If in this way a wise man, skillfully collecting his thoughts, can dwell securely in comfort, as I have just said, that man's merits shall be such that in a thousand myriads of millions of kalpas, number or parable cannot fully tell its tale. So, it's very... Uh, it's very succinct advisement on behavior, specifically as, the, as functioning as a bodhisattva. In other words, these, this is a prescription for 
how we should behave when the opportunity to tell others, to teach others who are curious about Buddhism and Lotus Sutra Buddhism in particular, right? that we should comport ourselves as an experience of that very practice. That's it. Keep it simple. Right? There's enough parables in the Lotus Sutra you could answer almost any question. Use the parables. I have a lot of them captured on threefoldlotus.com. Again, all those links are printable, most of them printable documents that you can use for your own development. But when you bring that development, your development, to a gathering, whether it's one person or ten or more, your function is not to display your insights so much as it is your insights imbuing them via your knowledge of the practice and the goal of the practice. To make that the center of your dialogue, your discourse, so that others can aspire to it in their own way. It's not even that simple to say, obviously, but it's more difficult to adhere to. So, it's short gathas, but very much to the point. Let's go on. Also, Omanjushri, in case you forgot who he's talking to. The Bodhisattva Mahasattva, who in the age of the latter end, again, he's answering about this age that we're in, Mapo. When the Dharma is about to perish, receives and keeps, reads and recites this scriptural canon, shall harbor no thought of envy, flattery, or deceit, nor shall he or she make light of or malign those who study the Buddha path seeking their virtues and shortcomings, be they bhikshus, bhikshunis, upasakas, or upasikas, right, monks, nuns, laymen, laywomen, be they seekers after the rank of voice-hearer, seekers after the rank of prachakabuddha, or seekers after the path of the bodhisattva. Now that's an interesting thing to say. He shall not permit himself to torment them, causing them to have doubts by saying to them, you fellows are very far from the path, right? How many of us know people, not just from other organizations practicing Nichiren's doctrine, but other organizations that don't even follow the Lotus Sutra or Nichiren, right? Claiming that uh, what was written in the Perfection of Wisdom Sutras, for instance, the, the Diamond or the Heart Sutra, that that's all, that's what they follow, and they're, they're on their own path and meditating about that. It does no, it's not constructive, it's not supportive, it's not compassionate to assail them with insults or debasement, telling them they're doing it wrong, Rather, if anything must be said, quote from the Lotus Sutra, the parable on the conjured city, 
that they're on the path, but ultimately, if they want to achieve that path, that enlightenment quickly, they need to move beyond those earlier teachings, which are Buddhist teachings, and focus on the one great vehicle, the one Buddha vehicle. But even that, for some, may be pushing it. It may be just a situation where you wish them the, the best results in their practice. Should they want to accelerate it or know any more, always welcome them to come and chant with you to learn more. You'll entertain their questions. And that will be the opportunity to help themselves, for themselves, correct or move or graduate their path. Right? We don't want to alienate anyone. Although, as Nichiren would say, we need to take on their misunderstandings and disbeliefs. But Nichiren is much more contemporary. He's our time. What Shakyamuni is talking about here are people in the semblance era, really. And they need to be guided gently or they, they will resist. But now that we're in Mapo, this situation doesn't so much apply as it did then. And Nietzsche spends a lot of time talking about this, right? This is when he defines the difference between Shoju and Shakubuku. That other Buddhists who don't understand that the Lotus Sutra is the one vehicle, the one Buddha vehicle, well, they need to be told. They need to be instructed. They need to be not just helped, but perhaps even coerced because they're stubborn. In those cases, they need to be broken of their false beliefs. Just like Shariputra was in the Lotus Sutra. So consider that. Read that part over and see how Shakyamuni does it. Hmm? All right. You shall never contrive to attain knowledge of all modes. What is the reason? It is that you are careless men, lax in the path, nor should you resort to frivolous assertions about the dharmas as if there were anything to dispute. But he should think on all living beings with great compassion, feel that the thus-come-one is a benign father, feel that the bodhisattvas are great masters to the bodhisattvas of the ten directions, he should ever be obeisance, do obeisance reverently and with deep thoughts be, uh, by being in perfect accord with the Dharma. To all living beings he is to teach the Dharma consistently, neither exceeding it nor falling short of it. Even to a person who deeply loves Dharma, he is not to preach overmuch. So don't be pedantic. Don't hit people over the head with it. Just encourage them to move further down the path. Like the parable of the conjured city, right? Okay, okay. You've had your respite. You've learned a lot. Now it's time to move on to the full goal. There's more effort to be made. But I know that you can do it and achieve Anuttara Samyak Sambodai 
fully, completely, very quickly. Isn't that appealing? O Manjushri, in the age of the latter end, when the Dharma is about to perish, there shall be those among the, these Bodhisattva Mahasattvas who shall achieve this third form of comfortable conduct and whom it will not be possible to dismay or to confuse when they are teaching this Dharma. They shall get good fellow scholars who together shall read and recite this scripture. They shall also obtain great multitudes who shall come to listen and accept, who, when they have listened, shall be able to keep, when they have kept, shall be able to recite, when they have recited, shall be able to preach or teach, and when they have taught, shall be able to write or to cause others to write, who shall make offerings to the scriptural role, venerating it with humility and holding it in solemn esteem. At that time, the world-honored one, wishing to restate this meaning, proclaimed Gathas, saying, If one wishes to teach this scripture, one should cast aside jealousy, anger, and pride. Don't let those be your motivations, right? Flattery, deception, crookedness, and dishonesty from one's heart ever-cultivating conduct of substance and honesty. One should not make light of men or women, nor hold them in contempt. Nor is one to discourse frivolously on the dharmas or cause others to have doubts by saying to them, you shall never attain Buddhahood. When this son of the Buddha teaches dharma, he is ever gentle and agreeable able to forbear, benevolent and compassionate toward all, producing no lax thought, thinking to the great bodhisattvas in all ten directions, who out of compassion for the multitude tread the path. I owe thoughts of humble respect, for they are my great teachers. Toward the Buddhas, the world-honored ones, his attitude is as if they were his supreme fathers. He demolishes his thoughts of overweening pride and preaches dharma without obstacles. The third dharma, in this way, the wise person is to keep. For if he performs it comfortably and single-mindedly, he shall be revered by an incalculable multitude. So, important not to hear that last statement as something, again, to create lots of pride. Well, I'll be famous. No, that's not what he means. What he means is if you do this right, you will attract many followers. And that should humble you and keep you even more vigilant, yes? Again, Omanjusri. The Bodhisattva Mahasattva, who in the age of the latter end, when the Dharma is about to perish, holds this scripture of the Dharma blossom, thinking with great good will of persons in the household and those gone forth from the household, with great compassion for those who are not Bodhisattvas, let him form this thought. Persons like these have simply missed that the thus come one's expedient devices 
his exposition of Dharma in accord with what is appropriate, not hearing it, nor knowing it, nor being aware of it, nor inquiring into it, nor believing it, nor understanding it. Although those persons do not inquire into, nor believe, nor understand this teaching, when I attain Anuttara Samyak Sambodai, then wherever they may happen to be, with my power of supernatural penetration and my power of wisdom, I will draw them to me, enabling them to dwell in this Dharma. Hmm. That's a different way of knowing someone, yeah? Of holding them in your environs. That's a protracted commitment that doesn't make immediate demands but rather includes them in your own development. That's a different compassion. O Manjushri, if after the extinction of the thus come one, there is many among these bodhisattva mahasattvas who achieves this fourth dharma, then when preaching this dharma, he shall come to no fault, but ever by Bhikshus, bhikshunis, upasakas, and upasikas, kings, princes, great ministers, commoners, brahmins, and householders, he shall be showered with offerings, humbly revered, held in solemn esteem, and lauded. The gods of open space also shall ever follow in his retinue in order to listen to the Dharma. If in settlements, cities, and towns, open spaces, or forests, anyone comes who wishes to uh, query with objections, then day and night for Dharma's sake, the God shall ever protect him, having the power to enable and listen, uh, the listeners all to gain joy. What is the reason? Why is this? It is that this scripture is protected by the supernatural power of all Buddhas, past, present, and future. O Manjushri, this Scripture of the Dharma Blossom, this Myoho Rengekyo, is such that in incalculable realms, it is not possible even to hear its name. How much the less to see it, to receive it, and keep it, to read and recite it. This is a rare opportunity. Not everybody gets it. Hmm? So, while teaching, we need to maintain the dignity of what it is we teach. We can't be willy-nilly with it, which means that we need to respectfully adhere to it when we're responsible for teaching others about it because it's a rare opportunity for them. We don't want to mess it up, right? O Manjushri, suppose, for example, there is a wheel-turning sage king of great strength who wishes with his imposing might to subdue all realms, yet whose commands the lesser kings will not obey. At that time, the wheel-turning king raises a varied force and goes to chastise them. When the king sees in his multitude of soldiers those who fight successfully, straight away he is delighted and rewards them in accord with their merit. To some he gives fields and houses, settlements, cities and towns, to some he gives clothing and accoutrement for bodily adornment. To some he gives a variety of precious jewels, gold, silver, vaiduria, giant clamshell, agate, coral, amber, 
elephants, horses, carriages, slaves, and subjects. The bright pearl in his top knot is the only thing he will not give them. What is the reason? Only on the top of the king's head is such a gem to be found. If he gives it away, the king's retainers assuredly will be greatly alarmed. O Manjusri, the thus-come-one is also like this. Having gained the Dharma realm with the power of dhyana concentrations and wisdom, he reigns over the three spheres, the three worlds, right? Yet the Mara kings will not consent to obey him. Mara being the umbrella term for all of the negative influences, yeah? Whether you call them gods, demons, or whatever, they're negative influences. The earthly desires, if you will. The wise and, and sagely generals of the thus come one do battle with them. With those who are successful, he is also delighted at heart. And among the fourfold multitude, it is to them that he teaches the dharmas. Causing their hearts to rejoice, he confers upon them the precious dharma gifts of the dhyana concentration, deliverance, right, liberation, faculties without outflows and powers. He also confers upon them as a gift of the city of nirvana, telling them that they shall gain passage into extinction. He guides their thoughts, causing them to rejoice, but he does not preach to them this myoho rengekyo. Hmm. O Manjusri, just as the wheel-turning king, seeing among the multitudes of soldiers those who have had great success, is overjoyed at heart, and this incredible pearl long in his top knot, which he would not recklessly give away, he now gives just so is the thus come one. Being the great Dharma king within the three spheres, with Dharma he teaches and converts living beings, all living beings. When he sees his army of saints and sages do battle with the Madas of the five Skandhas, there it is, right? The Madas of the agonies and the Madas of death, achieving great success, annihilating the three poisons, leaving the three spheres and tearing apart Mara's net. At that time, the thus come one is greatly overjoyed. And this scripture of the uh, Dharma blossom, which can enable the beings to reach omniscience or full and complete enlightenment, which all the worlds much, much resent with incredulity and which he has never be preached before. Now, now he preaches it. O Manjushri, this scripture of the Dharma Blossom is the supreme teaching of the Thus Come One. Among the various preachings, the most profound, the one he confers at the very end. As that very powerful king long kept his bright pearl and only now gives it away, so, O Manjushri, this Myohorengekyo, the secret treasure house of the thus come ones, among the sundry scriptures placed on the very top, which through the long night of time he kept, but did not merely forget to expound. Today, for the first time, he expounds to you. At that time, the world honored one wishing to restate this meaning proclaimed Gathas, saying, 
Let one ever practice forbearance toward insult, having compassion on all, for it is only thus that one can expound a scripture lauded by the Buddha. At the time of the latter end, for those who keep this scripture, whether in the household or gone forth from the household, and for those who are not bodhisattvas, one should produce good will and compassion, saying, If these do not hear nor believe this scripture, then they shall suffer a great loss. When I have attained the Buddha path, by recourse to expedient means, I will preach this Dharma to them, enabling them to dwell within it. Suppose, for example, there is a mighty wheel-turning king who, uh, on soldiers successful in battle, confers gifts of various things, elephants, horses, carriages, accoutrement for bodily adornment, fields and houses, settlements, cities, towns, or he may give clothing, sundry gems, slaves and valuables, conferring the gifts with joy. If there is a brave and stout fellow able to do difficult things, the king separates from his top knot a bright pearl, which he gives to him. The thus come one is also thus, being a king of the dharmas, being king of the dharmas, not a king, who of the great force of forbearance and of wisdom is the treasure house with his great goodwill and compassion in keeping with dharma, he converts the world when he sees all men suffering all manner of bitterness and agony, wishing to find deliverance and fighting with the maras. To these living beings, he preaches sundry dharmas as a great expedient device, preaching these scriptures. Once he knows that the living beings have gained the appropriate strength, Sarvakas, Parateka Buddhas, Arhats, at the end, then only then, to them he preaches this Dharma blossom, this Myoho Renge Kyo. Yeah, we're now going to go further down the road to the, the ultimate goal. As the king separating from his top knot, the bright pearl he gives it away, this scripture is venerable, supreme among the multitudes of scriptures. I, who have ever kept it, would not set it forth recklessly. Now, however, is just the very time to preach it to you all. After my passage into extinction, those who seek the Buddha path, if they wish to gain tranquility and at the same time to expound this scripture, should approach with familiarity four dharmas such as these. One who reads this scripture shall ever be without care or agony, also without sickness or pain, his color of fresh white. Nor shall he be born into poverty or want, lowliness, degradation, ugliness, or restriction. Living beings shall desire to see him, as they would aspire to see a sage or a saint. The children of God shall be his servants and messengers. Knife and staff shall not touch him, nor can poison harm him. If any man hatefully reviles him, that man's mouth shall be stopped up. He shall travel fearlessly like a king of lions, his wisdom as radiant as the light of the sun, or, in a dream, he may simply see wondrous sights. He shall see the thus come ones seated on their lion thrones, a multitude of bhikshus surrounding them as they preach the Dharma. 
He shall also see dragons and demons, Ashuras and the like, it number in number like to the Ganges' sands, their palms joined in humble reverence, to whom, showing his body, he preaches the Dharma. He shall also see Buddhas, one of their marks being their gold color, emitting incalculable rays, wherewith they illuminate all, and with a voice of Brahma sound, expounding the Dharmas, while to the fourfold assembly the Buddha preaches the unexcelled Dharma, this man, displaying his body in the midst, with palms joined, lauds the Buddha. Hearing the Dharma, he is delighted, then performs offerings, gains dharani, and bears direct witness to un <coughs> excuse me, unreceding knowledge. The Buddha, knowing that his thought is deeply entered upon the Buddha's path, straightway confers upon him the prophecy that he shall achieve supremely right, enlightened intuition. You, O good man, or woman, but he's talking to Manjushri, so O good man, in an age to come shall gain incalculable knowledge, the Buddha's great path. Your land shall be adorned and pure, broad and great, without equal. You shall also have a fourfold assembly, right, bhikshuni, uh, monks, nuns, laymen, laywomen, who shall listen to the Dharma with palms joined. He also sees himself in the midst of the mountains and forests, cultivating and practicing good dharmas, bearing direct witness to the marks of reality, deeply entering into dhyana concentration, and seeing Buddhas in all ten quarters. The Buddhas' bodies of golden hue with a hundred happy marks shall be adorned. He hears the Dharma and preaches it to others. Such shall ever be this lovely dream. He also dreams of becoming lord of a realm, of forsaking palace and retinue, as well as the supremely wondrous objects of the five desires. He goes to the platform of the path, under the Bodhi tree, seated on a lion throne, his quest for the path having passed the seventh day, he gains the knowledge of the Buddhas. Having achieved the unexcelled path, he rises and turns the Dharma wheel to the fourfold assembly preaching the Dharma throughout a thousand myriad of millions of kalpas, preaching the fine Dharma without outflows and conveying to salvation incalculable living beings. Thereafter, he is to enter into nirvana. As smoke stops when the candle is extinguished, in, if in a latter evil age he preaches this prime dharma, this man shall achieve great profit, such as the, mer such as the merits told above. You know, profit isn't money in this case, I'm sure you realize. So, that ends that chapter. Really, at this point in the sutra, we've gone from a lot of attention on describing to all of these in the assembly an incalculable number of people of different minds, different, different levels of learning and practice, right? Trying simply to get the point across that 
now is the time to, to, to put up or shut up, basically. You've been doing this a long time. You're complaining you've been doing this for a long time. And I'm giving you something uniquely not different, but uniquely misunderstood for all this time. If we follow the formula of 40-some years of provisional teachings leading to the final eight years of Shakyamuni's life and his teaching of the lotus, if we follow that formula just for the sake of continuity and, uh, what do you call it, the order of things, I respect all your efforts, everyone. You've done a great job, but you're not there yet. And if you think you've gotten there yet, like the Arhats that got up and left early on in the discussion, yeah, then you're fooling yourself. You've missed it all along. I'm not teaching anything different with the exception that what I'm teaching now, although it's really the same thing, I'm no longer teaching it shackled to your capacities because you've learned enough now that I'm going to teach it via my capacity. This is the teaching with which I attained enlightenment. Me, Shakyamuni, Siddhartha Gautama. This is the enlightenment experience that all of you can do just as I did. And now, only now, after all this learning and teaching, might you have the confidence, right? The, the conjured city, the apparitional city, might you have the inner resolve to go the rest of the way to achieve what I've been teaching all along. You thought you got there, but you didn't. And that's okay. You needed to feel that way for a while. But now... Time to stop toying around and do the thing. And that's the Lotus Sutra. And then, after nine chapters of that, okay, I'm done convincing you that this is now get up off your butts and let's go the rest of the way. Now I'm going to tell you what you can expect from doing these things. And he starts talking about what it's like to teach this new way. What it's like to take this teaching and own it, right? Love it, behold it, keep it, read it, recite it, make it a part of your moment-to-moment -moment life. Then, what's it like to tell others about this? What should you feel like? How should you be? Does this require a special behavior, idea of yourself, right? Now we're about to enter the 15th chapter and things are really going to start to accelerate now. So I can't wait to get into that. We've hit that midpoint of the Lotus Sutra. And now, yeah, we put on the afterburners and we get going. So I look forward to starting the 15th chapter with you, bodhisattvas from beneath the earth. Woo! -hoo. 
this chapter and the next two after it are the meat and potatoes of Nietzsche's doctrine, yeah? So I look forward to it. Please be here. Please take care of your health in the meantime. Uh, enjoy your practice, right? Savor it. And, um, oh, yeah, like and subscribe, just a reminder. And follow those links. Lots of free, the podcasts are free. These videos are free. Um, e-books, print books, mandalas. Yeah, don't forget, we want to practice to Nietzsche's mandala, not Frank, Bob's, Ted's, or Alice's, or some, I don't know, some group. They're all making their own. We practice Nichiren Buddhism, right? Nichiren doctrine of the Lotus Sutra, Shakyamuni's Buddhism. You want to call us purist? Go ahead. That's not an insult. Yeah, I'll take that. Strictly. Why do anything else? So keep that practice clean, clear. I'll see you in the next one. Bye for now.